0: Hi, I'm Carmen Laburge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge.
1: Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen Laburge on Faith Radio.
0: Good morning. Today is uh, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. I'm going to start with this and then I'm going to make a comment about Ramadan. Uh, for those of you living in the Twin Cities area, um, this is an interesting, uh, interesting note. Um, we recognize that Ramadan is the holiest month for the followers of uh, the Islamic faith. Uh, for those who are Muslim, it's a time of prayer and fasting. And we uh, now have a community in Minnesota, just outside of Minneapolis, um, where Muslim prayers will be aired five times a day over loudspeakers. That may be, it's probably not a first. It's probably happened in in communities in Detroit for some period of time. So I'm going to do a little more research on that, but I thought I would highlight that uh, here in just a moment. But let me start with this. Today is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And so I think it's a good day for us to uh, consider our responsibility as those um, whom God has called forth to represent him in this world, right? We are not only um, God's children, we are in this generation representing him. And so what does it mean in this generation to live under the Genesis 1 call of all mankind? So in Genesis 1, God calls all of mankind, beginning with Adam and Eve, to execute dominion over the earth, to subdue it, to develop. Uh, its its potential are called to fill the earth uh and and we do that um by what we commonly call culture and so uh, I thought this is a good time to lift up what does dominion mean and what does it mean for us as Christians to exercise dominion uh that That is a word that has been corrupted over time uh, and I think that we have to recognize that this is probably a word we want to work to redeem. We want to work actively to redeem it, in fact. So words have meaning and that meaning adapts as sin weighs heavy upon us over time. And so the word dominion now implies for most people oppression and even violent destruction. Um, It does not imply the good godly stewardship of creation by God's viceroys, uh, human beings, men and women. And so I think that we need to remember that um, dominion, when God gives us dominion, what he's giving us is responsibility. He is, he is making us stewards of that which he has created. And so we are to act as God acts in relationship to creation, to creatures, to the earth itself. And so um, I'm reminded that uh, Francis Schaeffer talked about dominion in this way. Fallen man has dominion over nature, but he uses it wrongly. The Christian is called upon to exhibit dominion, but exhibit it rightly treating the thing as having value itself and exercising dominion without being destructive. And so when we consider um, what people are celebrating today on the 50th anniversary of Earth Day and what that means for them, uh, the earth is where, in large measure, they have put their hope. Um, We know that the earth is a part of God's created order, and so are we. And as, as God's stewards of the created order in which he has set us, um, we are we are to exercise dominion as God exercised dominion, and that is not with oppression, and that is not with um, with violence or uh, with anything hurtful. It is toward human flourishing. All right. On the uh, uh, on the note that the Muslim holy month of Ramadan begins this Friday, April the twenty fourth, I'm just going to read to you this very brief uh, piece. Um, those of you who live in the Cedar Riverside neighborhood. Uh, are going to be particularly interested in this. Ramadan begins uh, technically on Thursday, and so in the midst of Minnesota's stay-at-home order, the Minnesota mayor, Jacob Frey, says the city—oh, Frey, thank you, Paul—has uh, is uh, has worked with leaders in the Muslim community to have the call to prayer broadcast by loudspeakers five times a day in the Cedar Riverside neighborhood. Um, so this is either a, an accommodation of uh, of government— of religious minorities, which would be consistent with what the Constitution allows for and encourages, or it is uh, ultimately um, the making of religion, the, um, the setting of one religion above others by the government. You, you are going to get to have that conversation in the coming days and weeks. I feel confident um, that once this sort of opportunity is given in one community, uh, it is likely to be multiplied into other communities And so this is just something to pay attention to this morning. Even as we pray for our Muslim neighbors, we want to certainly pray for their conversion to Christ. All right, up next, I've got Rob Peabody. We are talking about being a neighbor, a movement of neighbors responding to the COVID-19 crisis and doing so together. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Peabody. We're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about uh, the movement for good, and we are also going to talk about the Be a Neighbor campaign. Rob, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
2: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's start with this really cool platform, VOMO, a movement for good at VOMO.org. First of all, tell us what this is, because this is going to help us understand uh, how the Be a Neighbor campaign works.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So VOMO stands for Volunteer Movement, and it's a digital platform that connects people, churches, nonprofits, schools uh, to local needs in the community. And so we mobilize people to go do good right where they work and live. And, uh, you know, I was historically was a pastor and nonprofit leader, and we just kept seeing over and over um, people who, who want to do good and believe in the Great Commandment and Great Commission. But oftentimes don't know where to get started or how to get going. And you t- you marry that along with our digital platform society, where the average person touches their smartphone 2,700 times a day now. And the vision the Lord gave was just, hey, let's leverage the power of technology to help people uh, to go put action to their faith and to go go do good out in the local community um, in a lot of different forms.
0: All right. And you guys um, have made the platform free uh, for COVID-19 response. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, and so when you know, I was meeting with one of my board members uh, about a month ago, and when we saw COVID coming through, we realized that we've got a technology solution and platform that could really help all of these frontline workers, critical workers in the healthcare system, food banks, blood banks, all across America. And uh, so what we did is we, we rallied with a bunch of other entrepreneurs and, and digital creatives and just got down, got our heads down, worked nonstop for two weeks and opened up the platform uh, so that we could give it away for free to any nonprofit, any organization, any church that wants to use it uh, across, across the world. We've got 31 countries now actively participating and, um, and then gave an open way for individuals to come on and through our geolocated system and we know exactly where, where you are through the beauty of the Internet – uh, then we were able to serve up tangible, real ways for people to go be a neighbor right where they work and live. And so it's been a really fun uh, journey, and I, th- I think something that, you know, it's, it was in our hands, and it was for such a time as this, and, and we felt like it's just the right thing to do uh, to open this up and get as many people as possible on there because, you know, especially as believers, we are, we are, you know, this is our moment. You know, like we to, we want to talk about living on mission. It's it, This is it right now.
0: So if people go to dot um, they can click on the Get Involved link or, <clears throat> I don't know, tab, and they can either request help or they can volunteer or they can organize. Um, tell us what kind of response you've seen to this point.
2: Yeah, it's been pretty, uh, pretty steady. So, you know, we, we kicked this off about three weeks ago, and we're receiving a new nonprofit about every 20 minutes who is coming on. They're posting their needs. Um, they're saying, hey, I, I need physical help in these, this fashion across the country and communities all, all over the place, or I need virtual help, which is a, a big one right now with the social distancing and the stay-at-home orders uh, where people can actually virtually solve problems or serve these nonprofits in these front lines as well as doing that remotely. Um, and so the response has been you know, ecstatic that we're getting all these nonprofits coming on, posting their needs. And then we received probably about – a new volunteer every five minutes or so that's coming to that platform clicking that page uh, and then finding ways that they can respond and be a neighbor um, in their current neighborhood. And uh, we've also got another feature on there called Request Help. And so that's one where we're hearing stories of people uh, across the country who are you know, saying, look, this is real life. I, I got laid off. My kids are at home. I'm, I'm homeschooling. I literally have one dollar in my bank account. Who can who can help right here? And so they'll, they'll ask stuff like that or maybe like a disabled uh, elderly person. We've heard a lot of these where it's like, I just need somebody to pick up my prescriptions down the road. I can't leave my house or I'm, I need a mask. And so it, it's very tangible. And uh, and so, you know, those those needs get populated as a, a project on the platform, on the Be a Neighbor campaign. And then any individual can come, and, and we have a vetting system so it's all safe and secure. Um, but they can see those opportunities right where they are and then respond.
0: All right, I'm going to continue my conversation with Rob Peabody in just a moment. We are talking about Be a Neighbor campaign. You can find it at beaneighborcampaign.com. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Rob Peabody, we are talking about a movement for good. It's a volunteer movement. You can find it at VOMO.org. VOMO has then entered into partnerships with a really wide array of uh, Christian nonprofits in particular, but also lots of others, creatives and news outlets, in order to um, launch the Be A Neighbor campaign, Be beaneighborcampaign.com, where folks who are in need right now, um, can get the help that they need from volunteers in their local community who are desiring to help but don't know necessarily how to connect with a person in need so uh, rob we actually had a listener I don't know sometime last week who um who you know who texted in and said you know how do I find a volunteer opportunity in my own community and you know my my response my answer was I mean I, I was kind of heartbroken because like why are you not engaged in a local church where you already know people in need and, and people who are vulnerable? Why are we not already aware of the most vulnerable in our communities and the people on the edges of help? But I recognize I set that aside. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then you then equip the person who really does in their heart of hearts want to do something good and just just need somebody to pull the bus up so they can get on and go do it. Um that's that's kind of what you have done. You guys have uh created the the network through which people in need can find the helpers and people who are ready and willing to help can connect with those people in need in their own local communities. It really is um, is a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. So it's a neighbor com. Um, tell me, uh, just t- share with us your heart for this.
2: Yeah, um, my heart for number one for the be a neighbor campaign is, you know. Most people are sitting around uh, we're at home we are quarantined we're living in this new age that nobody knows how to navigate. We are watching the news there's a lot of fear there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of turmoil there's a lot of unknowns and and for many of the people I'm in communication with that that is overwhelming and takes captive of people and is really unfortunate and so you know my heart is you know we can't control coronavirus right now we can only control our response to it and And one of the most redemptive things that we can do is is to get beyond ourselves to look at ways that we can put our faith in action and go go help someone go solve a problem go go volunteer and and I think in that it's it, kind of to your point at the beginning it's helping us live out what we were created to do and and redeemed to do um, but also just it you know it what a testimony right if the church steps up um not only in your example of just serving the people that they know in their church but then also the stranger out in the community and and if we don't know those needs if we're ignorant to the problems in our in our community uh we we can't go solve them and so the heart is is you know can we leverage the tools that we have today uh in culture such as technology and apps and smartphones and use that in a redemptive way to move people on a journey from not just consuming more of technology, but actually becoming a producer and, and contributing and, and making the world a better place. That's, that's the heart behind it.
0: So one of my favorite parts of the website, um, and again, if you guys go to um there's, there's a section not only where you, um, you share the stories, right? But if I scroll down on the page, um, I actually get good news to inspire you, and it's a, it's it's empowered by Inspire More. And so I just appreciate the partnerships that exist here. Um, this is where this morning I found a follow up story to a story that we featured earlier in the week. So we had already talked about um, Captain Tom Moore, 99 years old, who wanted to complete 100 laps um, in his you know in his backyard um, using his walker. Uh, before his hundredth birthday, and he did so, and he's raised mil- tens of millions of dollars for the British healthcare network. Well, little Frank Mills, I just learned about today from your uh, from the link on your website. Um, this amazing little six year old boy has spina bifida. He also obviously walks with a walker because he can't um, he can't walk. Um, and he wanted to, inspired by this hundred year old Captain Tom Moore. Uh, little um, Little Frank Mills wanted to walk 10 meters a day, right, to raise money um, for uh, for healthcare workers, and and that's what he's doing, and it's inspiring, right? You, if everybody would get out and do what they can, where they can, I love the fitness instructor who is doing dance routines in the middle of the street, trying to inspire her neighbors to at least come out to the sidewalk and. Um, and get a little, you know, right. Just even do some jumping jacks together. Right. Do a little dance. Um, bring a little bring a little joy to the moment. Um, so what are what what's a story that really has touched your heart in the midst of all of this?
2: Yeah, I think one of them that's really that I've seen that's really tangible is, you know, so we had a partner for VOMO that we serve and it's called uh, Brother Bill's Helping Hand. And they're an um, impoverished part of the Dallas area, West Dallas and uh, and they, they literally are, they, they provide meals every day for those families that live there. Now, when the quarantine went in place, they they spun into a tailspin of like, how, how do we actually get the food to these people who are relying and depending on us for their families? And so through Be a Neighbor, we were able to go source, you know, responsible CDC approved volunteers who can uh, come and, and, and still keep the lights on at this uh, food distribution center. And so They would come down and they, you know, they had their masks on, they had their glove, they had their face shield and uh, and the families would actually drive through the driveway and then they would pop their trunk. The volunteers would come run out, drop the food in the back of their car. No, no human interaction, no touching, but put in the back of their trunk and then they would drive off. And I was just like, that's so cool that, you know, they needed 30 volunteers for every shift uh, had no clue how they're going to do it because this is especially at the beginning of the quarantine. Everybody was very worried about what we can and can't do, and um, through putting out the call to action, uh, people responded across Dallas, drove down there. Some of my team even did it, um, and and continue on to help people so they have the sustenance and meals for their families. And so, just very interesting, cool creative and innovative ways uh, that people are adapting here in this situation uh, to make make the best that they can out of it.
0: All right. um, So do you know um, Jim Morgan at Meet the Need in Tampa?
2: I don't know him personally, but I've heard of Meet the Need. I
0: I think I'd like to connect the two of you because I feel like there's some synergy there and um, uh, maybe – maybe meet the need could go, could become a part of this as well um there is room here right for other for others to come alongside at this point if there is an organization if there is an individual there there is room right for more talk talk with people invite them issue the invitation um to join this effort
2: yeah absolutely any any organization can play a part in be a Neighbor campaign this is not just about VOMO, this is, this is literally anybody can play together. I mean, people like Amazon have come on, and they are uh, comping a lot of our technical cloud hosting uh, expenses. There are all kinds of groups, newspapers. We've got 1,500 newspapers across the country. And uh, the way people can get involved in the call to action right now, this is we, – what we've found is through this experience that there is a massive volunteer shortage in every city in America. Um, We're going live with it at the end of this week, but it's a new campaign called Fill the Volunteer Gap. And what we're doing is we're asking Americans, individuals, to just raise their hand. um, And when they go to a Be a Neighbor campaign, they'll see it there. It's not live yet, but we'll be at the end of the week. And they uh, will see the estimated volunteer shortage per week in their city or in their state. And we need Mm -hmm. people to step up. And we're working in collaboration with the Corporation of National Community Service, which is a federal agency Um, They're in D.C. who is responsible for mobilizing volunteers across America. So we've gotten all the stats from them. And so what we need is just a wave of people to step up and say, hey, I can fill the gap. And then uh, we will match you with relevant ways that you can go serve and local nonprofits that do need the help. And so so it's both sides. So if you lead a nonprofit or have relationships with any organization that – is aware of needs they can go to be a neighbor campaign they can post those so people can start meeting those needs but then if you're an individual we we need your help and so please go to the site sign up uh, let us know who you are and then we will connect you with stuff that you can go do right there in your community in a responsible and safe way
0: I I love the body of Christ I love that you've been with us this morning you've inspired and encouraged us you have made a way for us to um, to be mobilized and to actually become activated in the midst of all of this. What a great blessing. Uh, go, everyone, everybody go visit BeANEighborCampaign.com. Find the particular way that you can um, engage in this ministry effort, BeANEighborCampaign.com. Um, and then let's all be sure that we pay attention, we circle back around, mark the page, um, bookmark it so that at the end of the week, we can share the Fill the Volunteer Gap fill, tell me what that one's going to be called fill the volunteer need gap
2: uh yep fill the volunteer gap yep
0: fill the volunteer gap we're going to look for that at the end of the week same site right via neighbor campaign.com
2: that's exactly right
0: awesome rob thank you so much for being with us this morning on mornings with carmen
2: thank you so much
0: what a pleasure we'll be right back All right, what in the world is going on around the world with fellow believers and how are uh, churches responding to the needs in particular regions of the world? Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News is with us next. We'll be right back. All right, all kinds of opportunities for you to share with us in these days. We would obviously love for you to Uh, Give us a call and share your faith story on the faith line. Um, We'd also just, we love to hear from you. we love to hear your faith in action stories. We've got, we have launched a faith in action web initiative here. So if you've got someone that you know that is uh, doing something special in your own community to help others and spread hope and encouragement during the coronavirus pandemic, we'd love to have you chronicle that story. You just go to the homepage, myfaithradio.com. You click on the faith in action link. You can read inspiring stories that others have posted, and you can post your own. Um, We'd also love for you to be a a missionary of this ministry, so share this program with someone else. Uh, You can do that by just sending them a link to the website. You can send a specific podcast to them by going and you know getting the link for that specific podcast of a show that you think would be particularly meaningful to them in this time. And you do all of that at myfaithradio.com. And then this is our spring season of share, which means. That this listener-supported ministry um, is not only in every season relying on the gifts of listeners like you, but right now we need to ask for your support. And so we're going to have our official Spring Share event the first week of May. Well, actually, it's like the week of May 4th, which I don't know if that's the first week of May or not, but it's like the first full week of May. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we are going to be talking about uh, not only all the ways that you can share with us, but we're going to be celebrating all the ways that we have shared with you. And so we need your stories uh, and we also need your support. So don't wait to give. You can already go ahead and give now. You could text the word give to 877 933 2484. You can always go online and give securely at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back.
2: You wouldn't spend all day in the sun without putting on some sunscreen, right? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. You're taking preventive measures now. So serious skin damage doesn't happen later. Well, for parents of teens, that idea needs to translate to your marriage. I work with a lot of moms and dads who have an out-of-control teen at home. And couples who don't prepare for the struggle often suffer a lot of damage in their marriage. Parents with kids approaching the teen years would be wise to prepare ahead of time. Get on the same page as your spouse and make sure the foundations are strong. It's like applying sunscreen. You can't see it, but your investment today could save your marriage tomorrow. Mark Gregston has more helpful resources for you at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store.
0: Joining me now, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find everything we're talking about today at mnnonline.org. Ruth, welcome back. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Let's uh, let's lead off with the move to uh, the digital platform for many churches and ministries.
1: You know, the last time you and I were speaking, um, I, I pointed out just kind of an observation that uh, for many of us in the States, the, our church services have moved to an online presence, and that as I sat there in my living room worshiping by myself, um, I was I was realizing that we're beginning to feel just a little bit of um, some of that isolation uh, that our brothers and sisters in Christ experience on a regular basis in countries where the body of Christ isn't supposed to exist. So this is sort of a secondary thought to to that thought that I was expressing the last time we were together. Um, and that is that this is kind of a time that's forcing ministries and churches to be creative in order to continue to build those relationships that uh, that they um, planted with church congregations or with people that um, um, that they were ministering to, with whom they were sharing the gospel. Uh, so digital presence is becoming more important for churches, uh, now, especially now in a time when uh, COVID-19 locked downs um, are expected to go months and potentially um, further out than we 're expecting right now. Um, we spoke with semi tippet ministries because his ministry to the body of Christ around the world is primarily online and it started because he had a he developed a ministry in Iran. And, of course, it's not very easy to go into Iran and preach openly and um, disciple, and and the church is not supposed to exist in Iran. And yet we're hearing that the body of Christ in Iran is among the fastest growing in the world. And, and so his ministry is not only discipling but also evangelism, and he's just basically saying you can extrapolate that to global ministry, uh, and that he's encouraging ministries and churches to consider moving their their ministry into new digital spaces. This is a space we haven't occupied well before as a global body, Um, but it is a space where other bodies of Christ in other countries have had to occupy because of the pressure that they face just existing in their countries that's you know this is this is an interesting article because it's it's basically bringing home um it's t- it's time to find a new way to do to do life with the body
0: yeah and that's not limited right i mean that's that is happening globally um so and i really appreciate your perspective on that and and how churches around the world you know they were ahead of us in in many ways in terms of sort of how to do church in isolation um, and, and yet in terms of their access to technology or their maybe access to creatives who could help them very quickly transition from um, in-person or personal ministry and mission to, to online platforms, maybe they didn't have all of the access that we had as quickly um, as we experienced it here in America. So thank you so much for that. Let's talk about um, Iraq. Um, Iraq. Let's, um, let's talk about the power vacuum that exists there.
1: <laughs> well, you know, before this, the COVID-19 thing uh, basically took all of the space on our headlines, we were watching a lot of um, the upheaval in Iraq because the government is not stable. Um, and, and really what we've seen is that the country has tried to install a prime minister to lead the government since last fall. And really, it's it's not gone very well. And in fact, what we've seen is three prime ministers put forward in two months, and that means that two of them were rejected. Um, so this third one has come in, and he's sort of like the the best case scenario, I suppose, for the worst case of, of, of things. His name is Mustafa al-Karimi, and he was the director of the National Intelligence Service. Um, but he seems to be... Acceptable to all sides of, of the parties that are involved here. I mean, when you look at Iraq's politics, it gets really messy really fast, because you've got you know a political party for every religion that is involved, um, which does include Christianity. It includes the Sunni and the Shia um, and some of the breakoff the splinter groups from there. And all of these folks are supposed to have a say. Uh, in in the leadership. So um, when you've had other leaders that have been put forward um, as a suggestion for prime minister, and that person has created a government to be uh, voted on by the, the parliament, um, that has not gone well. Uh, so now we're at a stage where we have a guy that has a cautious acceptance from most of the government. He's supposed to be introducing his cabinet and the government he wants to set up this week. Um, But that's been very difficult because you've got all of these other things that are going on at the same time. I don't think you'd really want this guy's job because he's going to have to fix stuff uh, in the wake of COVID-19, the oil prices, bottoming out. Uh, he's got a major economic crisis, and he's still got this unsettled government that he has to try to fix with all of the regional situations and the pressure that's coming on um, and and some of the uh, the things that could lead to war. So he's, he's really trying to stamp out a lot of fires all at once. Our partners are basically saying, this is a time to be praying for Iraq, because uh, it's a time where we don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's it's a situation where believers are are cautiously optimistic uh and yet uh there's a, a lot of a potential for things to go sideways for them so just continue to pray that um that God would put sound advisors before this government and that he would listen to these advisors, that uh, believers will still be able to be the hands and feet of Christ within their country uh, as things shift, um, because it's pretty unstable there. And and if you know folks who are uh, involved in ministry there, they're just sort of taking a wait and see approach because it, it's just too difficult to even know um, what the next step is going to be.
0: I'm talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. She and I are going to pick this conversation up in just a moment. We're going to talk about children who are trapped with their abusers in homes. This is uh, certainly an issue here in the United States. We're going to talk about it uh, as a global issue as well. We'll be right back. Talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News, you can find the stories we're talking about today at mnnonline.org. Ruth, I've been tracking a storyline here in the United States that's just heartbreaking, um, and it is a a storyline that we are, that you are reporting on around the globe, and that is the reality that little children are now trapped in homes that are not safe. So these stay-at-home orders, in some states called safe-at-home orders, um, are anything but safe, where children are actually now trapped inside with their abusers.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you consider that the school closures around the world have had impact on one and a half billion children, that's like a third of the global population, um, and and a lot of these kids are are seeing um, are living with the results of frustration, of poverty of isolation, um, of uh, just general stress that adults are not handling well. So in for those kids who are at risk, it just exasperates the situation exponentially. In fact, it's so serious that the World Health Organization has released a joint lead- leader statement really calling attention to this situation and really calling for an end to violence in a time of COVID-19 uh, and bringing some Um, some light, I think, to the situation, exposing it for what it is. Um, And that's how serious it is. I mean, you know, whatever you feel about the World Health Organization, when a global uh, entity comes together and says, this is a problem, um, you know, the question is, so what now? What do we do about it? And the body of Christ is equipped to respond because we have the resources. We have the, the answer. We have the hope. Um, and we spoke to one of our partners about this because of the just the general situation uh, and the kids that they work with. The Slavic Gospel Association has a a large footprint in, of course, the, the Slavic areas. So we're talking Ukraine, Belarus, Russia. And, and we asked them about this because of their work with the program, um, Emmanuel's Hope, which kind of uh, is is a an intri- introductory evangelistic program uh, that supports the church's outreach into communities, uh, specifically targeting kids. And what Eric Mock uh, says from SGA is that... Um, He's been told that the kids who are in the orphanages are the lucky ones. 30% of the orphans in Russia are true orphans. That means they are without parents. Um, There are others who have parents who may still be alive, but can't afford to take care of the kids um, and or just don't want them. And if the kids don't live in a home or in an orphanage, they're just on the street, which puts them at further risk uh, in terms of the um, the exploitation that could occur from that. Um, so when the kids are in a home, in a in an orphanage, it's sometimes safer for them than in their previous situation. Um, what he's saying is that the difficulty that faces families in um, these areas, in the Slavic areas, in Russia, in Belarus and Ukraine, um, is such that it, it it it's hard to describe how overwhelmed I was as he was describing case after case after case where children were, were removed from their homes and they were the fortunate ones because there were some that were left at home. Um, in this situation, the body of Christ has been called upon uh, to come alongside some of these uh, homes and provide them with, I guess, An introduction to not only the gospel, but the fact that there are adults who can speak positively into their lives, who Hmm. can um, mentor in a way that they've never been mentored before. And this COVID-19 crisis, especially as we're seeing the tidal wave coming to hit Russia and Belarus uh, and Ukraine, is going to drain resources away from what the churches and the ministries are able to do because they're already seeing that a lot of these areas are already in war-torn Uh, specific areas where they're having difficulty uh, feeding the community. And so they're basically saying with more of this coming, um, they're expecting things just to get a little bit tighter, a little bit harder. Um, And they're asking not only for prayer, but they're asking for financial support. A lot of our ministry partners are saying we need to be remembered. Please remember to continue to give, continue to tithe to your church, Um, But don't forget those that are being the hands and feet of Christ on the ground. I know that for a lot of us uh, who are um, uh, experiencing financial difficulties that we've never experienced before, being asked to give to a ministry where we have no personal connections seems like a a big ask. Um, But just consider what God can do with some of those dollars um, in ways that we would never be able to do ourselves. Uh, you know, sort of the loaves and fishes kind of an approach, Absolutely. And, you know, giving sacrificially, um, knowing that ministries are going to do a lot with that, a lot more with that than what we could do ourselves.
0: Yeah. And the need globally is really huge. I know that we, you know, we tend to hunker down and focus close at hand and we want to conserve resources. Um, but there's not only just huge waves, first waves of coronavirus headed toward Russia and Belarus and other countries in that region, we have a second wave of coronavirus um, now evident in, um, in 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 the east, right? like so in Japan, um, and yeah. they are just now like now finally, now finally, um, social distancing.
1: Well, you know, they were praised early on for locking things down and and taking uh, a very aggressive approach to dealing with the virus. And it seemed like their cases were pretty low. So everybody said, "Yay, good for Japan. Um, And now they're seeing a second wave coming through because things relaxed a little bit, maybe a little bit too soon. And what they're seeing now is that the, the healthcare care system hasn't fully recovered from the first wave, so they're very ill-prepared for the second wave. Uh, and what they're seeing right now is causing a lot of concern because, you know, you're looking at a country like Japan and saying, well, if there's anybody that's going to be able to handle something efficiently, it'll be Japan. And they're saying, we're not prepared. Um uh, their story is one that's that's kind of a, a cautionary tale for the rest of us um in 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 how to be careful as we deal with this and and for the believers in Japan, especially with Asian access, um, they had a very aggressive evangelism and church planting strategy um, that they were hoping to really launch this year with the advent of the Olympics and the Paralympics. Mm-hmm. Um Which has all been sidelined, I mean everything's been sidelined right now because everybody's so- you know being told to socially distance, and the churches have already moved to a lot of online uh instruction um but when you're talking about something where uh these pastors are investing in community and trying to plant churches um in a way that is like fifty thousand churches by twenty twenty three that's a huge Um, project that they're basically laying at the feet of Christ and saying, okay, we can't do it now because everything is changing and we're being forced to be separate. Um, But what Asian Access is saying is, let's be praying for how God's going to change that, take that scenario and blow it wide open in ways that we never could have imagined. That's right. Amen.
0: Uh, Ruth Kramer, thank you so much as always. Uh, If you're listening right now, you can read all the articles we've been discussing today at mnnonline.org. We'll be right back. All right. I I feel like there's a lot of uh, prayer needed today in terms of praying the the headline news. I also think there's a, a sobriety that is necessary as we acknowledge that um, the coronavirus is going to come in waves. I just think at some point we're gonna have to get to the place where we understand that, that we understand that what we're dealing with now is the first wave of a virus and that there will be others. If you're not a student of history and you don't really know the history of the Spanish flu, um, I mean, although it's gonna be scary for you to read it the first time, it's an important thing to, to know and understand. It's the last time, 100 years ago, actually 102 years ago, that we experienced a global pandemic. And we need to understand um, just how serious the Spanish flu was and how long it lasted and its global impact so that we can we can begin to prayerfully do the math in terms of a timeline um, and the cost to humanity that we are likely to be facing. It's, um, this might be a sober up season for all of us. And you and I know that uh, the sovereign God can care for us all in the midst of it. So let's be trusting him today um, and advocating the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.